Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is a prepaid call from Therese Moore an inmate at a Florida Department of Corrections institution. All right, tonight, the end of a story we've been covering for months. Dee Dee Moore will spend the rest of her life in prison. I have a life sentence. When you get 25 years, you get no parole here. They consider you die in prison. State of Florida versus Doris Donegan Moore. Stone-faced, unlike past tears or smiles. The defendant is guilty of first-degree murder. She explained to me, about everything with Abraham and um, that he had won 30 million. He took the lump sum of 12 million and he basically had nothing left now. I really would like my old life back where I could walk the streets like a normal person, but got people coming up asking for money. Hello and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. You are listening to part two of my chat with Doreese Moore, the lady who's currently serving a life sentence in prison for the murder of Abraham Shakespeare, a crime that she says she did not commit. Now, if you've not yet listened to episode one, then I'm going to highly recommend you hit pause and jump on back to episode one so that you don't get lost. Go on, I'll give you a couple of seconds to hit pause. So in the previous episode, we learned that Abraham Shakespeare had been trying to get his money out of the bank so that it couldn't be taken from him due to an ongoing court case. And what do you do with this money when you don't want it to be found by anyone else? Well, apparently you lend it to drug dealers who can then pay you back under the table. So I wanted to delve a bit more into these drug dealers and and how they came about. Me and Abraham are recording um, everything. So Abraham's recording up and he's got a recorder on him, recording some of the drug dealers. I'm recording because I'm trying to find out if Abraham knowingly knows he's mo- you know, money laundering with these drug dealers or if he doesn't know. He's saying he didn't understand what was really going on. And so I'm getting proof of it because they're using it to blackmail him. So can, can um, I just quickly jump in here just from quickly? So with these drug dealers, did Abraham use recreational drugs or was he just dealing with them by with the was it money situation or why was he dealing with drug dealers? I had never seen him do drugs myself. So he, I think it was just for, you know, basically borrowing money because they could borrow large sums and pay him back. And he had the problem with he didn't want all his money in the bank because of the guy suing that he sold the ticket from. Me personally, if I was in that situation, I would just go, you know what? I, I've got no more to do with this. I'm, I'm going to walk away. Um, it's, it's, it's too dangerous. There's too much going on here. Uh, I'm out. Why don't you just well, walk the, away? Well, that's 
basically what I was doing when I was getting these recordings, we were at that point. He was leaving. It all happened so quick that that's what we were doing is basically wrapping everything up and he's going to leave for his safety um, so that we're not having to deal with this anymore because I don't, I don't know what's going on and I don't know who to believe and I don't want any part of it. So they say that um, Abraham was last seen uh, and heard from around April of 2009. There's a lot of that. If you look at my discovery, there's plenty of people that seen him after April 6th. April 28th, he takes a DNA test to prove, to see if this child's even his, because he doubts it's his. So he goes and has a DNA test done. The other thing is his mother says she sees him just before Mother's Day. Mother's Day is not in April, it's in May. Mm -hmm. So his mother wouldn't lie for anything. We know that Cedric seen him in August, and so did another witness. When I'm videotaping them and he left, he was supposed to be staying at a house. He had originally planned on staying at one in Lakeland, and then he was then he had talked about staying at the one in Orlando. He was going to stay there for things to calm down because he was going through so much. Um, he was tired of everything. Okay, now when it comes to Doris's recordings, the one she's been telling me about that I will hopefully get to watch soon, a couple of these have surfaced online. Now, one we spoke about in the previous episode that was played during her court case, and this one. One where Doris is in a room talking with Abraham about him being asked for money all the time and he just wants to leave. This vision has been played numerous times on almost every TV show and documentary made about this case. You get tired of people asking for money all the time, babe? They don't take no for anything. So where you want to go to? It don't matter to me. I'm not a picky person. California. You want a foreign country? Cosmo. Are you going to miss your home? So now from Doris's side of things, in her mind, she's saying she believed Abraham had disappeared. He had gone and left. And that's what she says she's being led to believe by Ronald. So they play to me and act to me this whole time. I believe, Ronald, that nothing's wrong, you know, with Abraham. So I'm giving them cash, um, money, when they say Abraham needs something, because you got to remember, we buried the rest of his remaining money, once he cashed it out, he moved the million dollars over. We, I got it cashed out for him. He buried it on one of my properties. It was um, on the property, an office building that I had that I rented to his lawyer. So his lawyer rented an office from me on one of my properties. And they buried it out back. So you buried, you, you buried a million so dollars in cash out the back of one of your properties? Uh, well, over that. Over that, yeah. I didn't want to. He kept begging and begging and begging and begging and begging me to. Um, he, he went through this whole scenario. It was the only safest way he could do it if he was going to leave town because he didn't want it in the banks because he had to worry about, you know, all these people. So I let him bury it out back of one of my properties. Like I said, it's an office. Everybody says it's a home. It was a home office, but no one lived there. So we bury it. At some point, they came and unburied the money and put the body in its place. So Okay, so, so, you're, so, so you're saying where Abraham was eventually found, his remains were found, that previously there was a million dollars in that particular spot. Yeah, over a million, yes. Right. And how we have proof of this is when they did the land survey over where the money had been buried, 
you could see where they dug a trench up underneath the concrete so far it didn't show how far the trench was dug so they trenched up under it removed the money and put the body in its place that body was not there and i have way too much proof to prove it was not there when I had the concrete poured. That was the only reason the jury decided to convict me because the way the jury looked at it is I must have known something about his death because I had the concrete poured. We had the concrete poured over the money. The concrete was poured April 13th. He was not dead April 13th. So we know that detectives say they believe Abraham was killed around the date of April 6th. Doris says that's not the case, as there's evidence to suggest that he was alive past that date. Doris, in fact, says that not only is there evidence to suggest other people had contact with him after this date, but the biggest evidence to show that Abraham was still alive was a DNA test that he supposedly took to see if he was the father of his ex-girlfriend's child. Here she is talking about that. April 28th, he had a DNA test done to see if he was the father of the child. The problem is, is everybody that is anybody has tried to twist and manipulate the story. Well, what if the date was wrong when the lab test was done? What if it was a false date? Or like the 2020 guy said, what if I made that paper up here? First of all, it was in my discovery. Second of all, it's a lab test. But the biggest thing is Centoria admits on record that Abraham told her the results of that test. That test wasn't even rendered or completed in the lab until May 20th. So there's no way a man that died supposedly April 6th could tell her the results of a test when the test wasn't even rendered till May 20th. Okay, so during that part of my chat with Doris, she obviously drops a huge bombshell on me. This happens a lot when I chat to Doris. She'll just drop things in. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 hold on, go back, go back. She kind of casually mentions that, of course, we bury a million dollars in the back of one of my properties. I'm like, hold on a second, whoa, this is something we're going to need to spend some time on because that million dollars was apparently buried where Abraham's body was found. So if that million dollars was in that hole then whoever was involved with putting that million dollars in the hole had something to do with Abraham's murder. So we need to stay on this for a bit. I've got a pretty extensive timeline here. I mean, well, I mean, I say extensive timeline. It's obviously from the information that I've been able to to gather online. Detectives started talking to you, I believe, around early November, sort of 12, something like that. Yeah, I want to go around to, I think it was November 24, which was another early interview that you did with um, with the detectives. Now, they were talking about this million dollars that was in Abraham's account. I believe it's the, uh, the million that he was supposedly put aside for his child. Now, is this the million dollars? Because it was withdrawn from his account. It, it says here, could not give a reason for why the account, which had a, almost a million dollars, was soon withdrawn from his account days after Shakespeare's name was removed from the account. Now, is this the million dollars that you were telling me has been was buried in the back of your property? Yes, but that wasn't for his son. Right. He had already given the million dollars to his son. Okay. okay? So his son is out of the picture now. Right. But there's a second son that's trying to get money, and he was he won't give that woman a dime. They say that his name was taken off the account and your name was put on the account. Is that correct? 
No. Okay. <laughs> That's not correct. So this is where it's wrong. My name, it's my account. It's originally my account. My name is on the account. I add him to the account. Okay. Right. Yeah. He gets a card at his address. He gets this lady that puts a card for the child support for going back and forth to court. So that scared him, and he thought, oh, my God, they're going to try to get the money out of my bank account, and he just, we just put him as a partner on that. You know what I mean? We just put him on there. Yep. And he's freaking out. So he tells me to remove him. Um, because, and I told him I want him removed anyways, because I feel like the way I look at it is you're trying to avoid child support and you're going to have to pay that anyways. You can't avoid child support. When the decision was made to take the million dollars out of the bank, Abraham came to you and said, look, I think we, we need to take this money out of the bank and we need to hide it. What is happening? And I've got Abraham on recording for this. It's I'm recording everything. He's trying to talk me into burying this money. Yep. Um, he keeps wanting me to bury it and bury it because he does not want her to get a dime of it. We moved it over to one of my accounts. He basically gave it to me. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, then with, when I found out that they did all that, I didn't want any part of it. I wanted it cashed out. So he had a friend of his <clears throat> cash it out. And he begged me to have it on one of my properties. There was so a, a friend of so a friend of his cashed out the million dollars. Right. I mean, how how do you cash out one million dollars in a bank situation? Um, when you deal with banks, you can't take more than ten thousand dollars out in a day. Sure. If you take a hundred thousand dollars out at one time, you have to schedule it. We worked it out where this guy would get paid to cash this out. Abraham cashes it out. Okay. He gets. Um, he gets the money that he wants buried. We go and we have it buried. Now, he's got two people that I don't know, but they're people he knows there when this is happening. I don't know them. They want to run this piece of equipment, and I'm not going to let them run my piece of equipment at all because I don't know them from What, what equipment do they want to run, so, sorry? Um, it's a backhoe. So we've got to get the money buried. We buried the money. The concrete's poured over it April 13th. Now seems like a great time for me to jump in and make sure we're all on track. So where we're up to right now, Abraham has a million dollars. He wants to leave town, but he's worried about losing this million dollars to child support. So he asked Therese if they can bury this million dollars at the back of one of her properties. Now, in the meantime, he moves the million dollars into one of Therese's accounts. She's not happy about that, and she says she wants it out. So they then cash out this million dollars. Now, of course, banks don't just let you turn up and say, can I take a million dollars out, please? So Doris says they had to pay somebody to help them do this. The money gets cashed out. They then go out to Doris's property where Abraham has two gentlemen with him that she's not seen before. They want to use the equipment to dig this hole that she's got on her property, but she says no. Now, it'll come out later that she asks her ex-husband to come around and dig that hole for her. He then returns a few hours later to fill that hole in. Doris tells her ex-husband she needs that hole dug so that she can bury some old concrete and some rubbish. Okay, are we all up to date? Because we're gonna keep talking about the million dollars because I'll be honest, I can't get my head around this cash situation. This next part, there is a lot of names bleeped out. 
So I apologise for that, but I do have to be careful around what we're saying about people, especially when these people haven't been convicted of any crimes and none of these comments or claims have been substantiated. So there are a lot of names bleeped out here, but I wanted to leave it in because I want to show just how many people could potentially know that this million dollars is buried where it is. I don't mean to keep going back to this million dollars, but I think it's important because obviously where the million dollars is buried is where Abraham's body was eventually found. So, I mean, obviously whoever put him there had to know that that million dollars was there. So on the day that you you guys buried the money, you're saying there was two people there that you didn't know. So I'm assuming someone in that scenario, someone who knew the money was there had to be involved with... Abraham's disappearance right. and his murder. Right, right. Well, the only thing I know about the two men is one of the guys supposedly, after all this happened, supposedly they had said that one of them had dated Okay, I wanted to check phone records. I asked my public defender to please check the records. He said it wasn't his job to prove who killed Abraham. This is an exact word. It's my not job to prove who killed Abraham, just that you didn't. So he wouldn't check the records, but I wanted to know who had been calling. I know that Abraham had talked to and was sending over two men. That's um, who's uh, the man that Abraham loaned a million dollars to that supposedly did drugs out of his store. He sold cocaine out of his warehouse. I didn't know this until after everything's going on. Um, did he know that the million dollars was, that, was buried um, at the back of your property, this this guy? Yes. He did? Yes. Okay. Abraham told... Um, he told her that he, he buried a million dollars. Yes. And I've had that on tape. Abraham's telling me on tape, I told where I buried, you know, she'll have to bring a backhoe, but he didn't tell her where it was buried. Okay. So if what Doris is telling us is correct, then by my account, there's now seven people, including her and Abraham himself, that know of this million dollars being buried there. So obviously taking Abraham out of the equation, we've now got six people with a motive. Of course, again, I have to stress that none of this is confirmed. This is Doris's side of the story. Now, we're going to take a short break here. Have a breather. Get your brain in gear. Because coming up next, we have a new character joining the story. The man who detectives used to build a case against Doris. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment... 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So far, detectives have been quietly looking into Doris and where she fits into the Abraham Lee Shakespeare story and whether or not she could know something about his disappearance. And things will take a sudden turn as a new character enters the story. The man that will eventually help police build a case against Doris, Greg Smith. Now, Gregory Smith owned a barber shop where Abraham would occasionally work, sweeping floors and helping out, doing odd jobs. So it's while detectives are following Doris that they are suddenly made aware that Greg Smith seems to have some sort of involvement with her. The reports say that they initially intercepted Greg uh, after they witnessed you handing him something in a parking lot, uh, and when they swarmed Greg's car, that he told them that you'd paid him $300 to call Abraham's mother to pretend to be Abraham. What's your response to, to those allegations? Well, if you listen to the video between me and Greg, I believe Greg has something to do with the crime. Yeah. So I'm being his friend and trying to get more information, elicit more information out of him because I want to know what really happened to Abraham. Now, I want you to think common sense here. That's all I'm asking. If I know He's buried in my yard, where one of my offices are. Why do I need to be even socializing with this man? Why do I even need to be worried where Abraham's at if I already know where he's at? If I'm playing it off or whatever, I don't have to go along with this shenanigans because I already know, but I don't. So I want to find out what they really did. If you listen very carefully, everything they feed to the media is not how it's said. Like in the tape... I ask him why I can't tell the police the truth, that Ronald lied to us. And he says, because you're going to go to jail. And I say, well, but Ronald lied to me. And he says, I can't say that. Now, police have said in other interviews that after one interview with Greg, they came to the conclusion that there was no wrongdoing on his part, apart from the obvious fake phone call. So... They put Greg to work and told him they needed him to wear a wire in order to record his conversations with Therese. Now, Greg came up with this idea to put a recording device into a Red Bull can, and that's what he used to record his conversations. Now, I don't have access to all these conversations. I don't have access to these recordings, which is why I'm looking forward to getting Therese's recordings, which she says she has got, because she said she was recording the whole time that Greg was apparently recording as well. The only recordings that I can listen to are the ones that have been put out there to the media. Now, if you believe Doris, then 
those recordings are being played out of context or they're being chopped up and there's only certain bits getting fed to the public. Now, I've worked in the media for over 14 years and it's all about clickbait. What helps drive the narrative of your story? So it is not beyond the realms of possibility that these documentary makers and these news teams have heard the audio and gone, well, well, this makes our story sound better. We'll use this bit of audio. Okay, so let me give you an example of what I mean. So a show in the US called 2020 did a full episode on this particular case and they played snippets of undercover recordings, including this one. Now, just a quick word of warning. This is very hard to hear, but I'll explain what it says in a second. Now, it's very hard to hear, but what Doris says is, see, it's very out in the open. Neighbours will be able to see what we're doing. To which Greg replies, they won't be able to see because I'm going to hit that shit at six o'clock in the morning. Now, the show 2020 didn't play anything previous to that. They just jumped straight into that piece of audio, and this is how they phrased it. You heard it right. Dee Dee has just revealed to Greg and the cops she knows where the body is. I don't know about you, but in that piece of audio I just heard, at no point did Doris say, I know where the body's buried. Now, of course, that audio could exist, but my question would be, if that audio is there, why not use that audio? Because that would be a killer piece of audio. No pun intended. This may seem like I am firmly in Camp Reese, but that's not the case. I'm purely just pointing out things that I have noticed after researching and looking into this case for such a long time. So Greg continues to make his undercover recordings of Doris, and at some stage we're told that Doris asks Greg if he knows of anyone that will take the rap for this crime. However, Doris says it was actually Greg and the detectives who came up with the idea of offering up a full guy. I've listened to um, a number of the undercover recordings that were made by Greg with you in the car. There's also a recording with you and a gentleman who I believe was an undercover police officer, but he was posing as someone who was going to be going to prison. Right, that that is where um, Greg has already given me the tape threatening my life, that if I say anything. So Greg suggests, they say I suggest, and they make it out to the public that I suggest. I don't suggest this. Greg says, he says he has this idea for this ball guy. And that's when I say, why do I have to do that? And he says, because they set my ass up. And he bangs on the steering wheel, basically telling me I have no other option. Now, I'm asking you, as a person, you have got drug dealers paying off police officers. What would you do? I can't run. I can't leave the state. I can't leave with my son because they're just going to threaten other family members like they eventually do and friends. So I, I don't know what to do. I So Greg keeps telling me he'll fix all this. So I'm playing along to see what really happened. And so he goes and tells me this guy will do this. So I go and entertain him and listen to him. But I don't really know what they've done. And you can tell that by the audio tape. I'm paying to save my life. Why they constantly, constantly, ever since they, I believed Abraham was alive, all they did was constantly elicit more money from me and more money from me, making me believe the man was alive. 
And then when I know something had to have happened to them and I know that they're lying and I'm trying to find out, they have me cornered in where I, I don't know which way I can turn. My mom at one point, when I'm in county jail, we call the FBI to see if they'll help me. And the FBI said, I need to rely on the sheriff's department. Now, this is the same sheriff's department that says these men didn't exist, but I have tapes of them. Okay, so I'm going to play you a piece of audio now, which is undercover recording of Doris Moore, Greg, and this fall guy, who is actually an undercover officer. And I'll be honest, this does not sound good for Derese. And then, what do you want? 50 grand. Can I do it in payments? Because I don't have that kind of cash. I'm going to have to sell some. I'm going to need 10 up front. Once I, once I do this, mm-hmm. make sure my boy get the money. Okay. See, what I do is I get it and give it to his mom. Okay, so you listen to that audio and you go, well, I mean, if she's giving a guy money to supposedly take the rap for this murder of Abraham Shakespeare. She's guilty. That's what you think listening to that audio. It's what anyone would think. Now, let's think of it from what Doris is telling us. She's saying Greg Smith is telling her she's been set up. She's got no choice. She is going to go to jail. All these people could also kill her. Her only option is to do what he says and pay this guy who's already going to prison $50,000 to take the rap for this crime. So she agrees to it because she's terrified. Now, plausible. Yes, I think we can say it's plausible. Would I be doing the same thing in her situation? Personally, I don't think I would have ever got myself into this situation in the first place, but who knows? So detectives have audio of Doris offering to pay their officer 50 grand to take the rap for the crime. But they have a few more things on their wish list that they want in order to tie a nice little bow around this case. One of those things is a murder weapon. Detectives claim that they sent Greg and their fall guy out to meet with Doris, where they would say that to make things look believable to detectives and to take the heat away from Doris, the fall guy is going to need a murder weapon. Okay, so January 21, Officer Mike Smith, now he's this undercover officer uh, of Lake Wales, Florida Police Department, working undercover, is introduced to yourself by Gregory Smith. Now, it says here, Moore agrees to pay Mike Smith $50,000 if he told law enforcement uh, that he was responsible for Shakespeare's death. Now, it says that uh, Doris Moore gives Gregory Smith a .38 Smith & Wesson revolver, which police claim is the weapon used to kill Shakespeare. If you listen along with the audio tapes, Greg has already scared me. He has told me these people set me up. I tell him why I can't tell him what I do know. Why can't I tell tell them about Ronald and Ronald lying to me? And he bangs on his um, dashboard and he says, because they set your ass up, you're going to prison. You need to let me handle this, okay? In his conversation that's in my discovery, it's in my amended post-conviction, it says, um, Smith says, but when you get this guy, meaning the informant for the detectives, you got to tell him, you got to convince him that you know he's dead. And Moore says, okay. And Smith says, amen. Moore says, okay. And Smith says, he's dead. I said, well, don't say that because, you know, I don't really know that. You And Smith says, you got to, you have to do it that way. Moore says, okay, once you get him, 
Well and Smith goes together. Um, you know, he he's going with me over there. More, I'll tell him that I know drug dealers. Like I'm questioning, like, what does he want me to tell him? And I mean, I don't I don't know how to act to him now. And more, I say yeah, and he says, you feel what I'm saying? Act like you know a little about something. This is Smith saying this. Moore says, you'll have to coach me tomorrow. So he's coaching me through all of what to say to this undercover detective because I'm clueless. I'm asking him why I can't say what I do know. And he says, because they've set me up and I'm going to jail. And then he also showed me, you got to remember, earlier he had showed me the tape of how they're going to get away with killing me. And then also I've got the tape of how the drug dealers are paying off police officers. So honestly... I'm wanting you to think about this logically. What would you do? You have, you've, you've called, you know that they have one, if not five, police officers that could be paid off. I just want to jump in here and reiterate and remind you, as I've already said before, that at this stage, these claims about paid off police officers or police corruption are unsubstantiated claims and no wrongdoing has ever been found against any of the police or detectives involved in this case. And I'm supposed to put my family's life and my own life at risk. So I just keep recording him. He's recording me, but I'm recording his. And the problem they have is my recordings don't shut off when theirs do. I keep recording everything. So when he says he's got to coach me uh, or, or whatever he's going to do, he keeps telling me he needs a gun, a gun for this guy. I say, well, give him this one. You know what it says in my paperwork? I gave him a gun that I said was a murder weapon. That never happened. I never gave this man a gun that I said was a murder weapon. He asked for a gun and kept asking for a gun. I gave him a gun that was mine that's been mine for 20 years, has always stayed in my safe, never been removed by his safe. My ex-husband testified to that. So he takes this gun and pretends to them it's a murder weapon. We're only having to remove the serial numbers from it because it's actually my weapon, okay? So if you read in my post-conviction, you cannot, you cannot show a weapon to a jury that you know has been found that it is not the weapon. So them saying wherever you read that that's the murder weapon, whoever wrote that story lied because if you look in my discovery, they proved the bullets could not be determined that they were to that gun. Mm -hmm. And it's illegal to even show that gun in court. It was proven in court. I'm trying to find the papers where it says it. Ground 11 says they lacked identifying characteristics that must be present when attempting to identify bullets back to a specific firearm. Therefore, they could not identify them as having been fired by the same firearm, nor able to identify the bullets as had been fired by the firearm submitted. That they presented the jury as if it was the gun that was a murder weapon when forensics for performed proved it could not be this particular gun. Okay? So you can't show a gun to a jury and make it believe it killed somebody when you can't even... It's, it's against the law to do that. And that's what they did. And then you've got all the stories that are false out there like this was the murder weapon when they proved they couldn't... It, it could have been from 5,000 different guns. Like yeah. they have been looking at the paperwork. So, so obviously one, one thing that you, can, you obviously can't find anywhere is at any stage when you are being recorded 
um, undercover. You can't. There's nowhere where you obviously admit to to any wrongdoing or, or admit to killing um, Abraham. Um, but obviously, what they've built their case on is no, because I didn't. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> but what what they've built their. Ca- <laughs> I mean, I really didn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what they, but what they, what they. Built, I can they, laugh about this because it's, it's better than crying. Okay? Yeah, no, of course. You have one minute remaining. And there's our friend to kindly wrap up the episode. Still to come, things are going to really start heating up when Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd makes the astonishing decision to go on ABC's Nightline and declare Darice a person of interest before she's ever arrested for any crime. Sheriff Judd is not shy about saying she is a person of intense interest. Is she someone you can trust? I wouldn't trust Dee Dee Moore as far as I could throw her. Not only that, remember when I said detectives had a few things on their wish list that they wanted? Well, the slam dunk that they were looking for was for Darice to actually tell them where the body of Abraham Shakespeare was buried. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office says the human remains found yesterday do belong to the missing lotto winner, Abraham Shakespeare. Big break in the case came earlier this week when a tipster told them to check out a home off East State Road 60 in Hillsborough County. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.